Welcome to The Neighbor Next Door, a podcast about the power and importance of neighboring. I'm your host, Matthew Johnson, and I am joined, as usual, by my colleague in neighboring, Adam Barlow Thompson. I am here. That's the notes that I'd like to share. (laughs) All right, all right. One big difference about this recording of the podcast than our others. Yeah. Usually it's just Matt and I right. and oh. on, on the front porch, not. That's what I mean. You almost messed up. I did. Um, but today, Christopher is sitting in on the recording yeah. Yeah. to give us notes. Say hi, Christopher. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. So it's kind of like. it's kind of like you know like he's the producer he's in the producer's room he is Uh he is he's in the control room he's in the control room yeah it's actually just a really comfortable chair yeah on the front porch porch. (laughs) i mean (laughs) (laughs) right yeah so well uh so a few episodes ago we worked through the topic of social capital and uh, if you haven't heard it uh, go back and check it out. It's it turned out really well, and folks have told us it was a really helpful episode. Oh. Um, for some folks, it was like it's been their favorite episode. Somebody told us that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was feedback we got from a listener. Thanks for relaying that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm relaying it now. Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> I don't know how you don't know these things. People don't tell me these things yeah. apparently. Well, they don't tell me these things either. They told Christopher. Oh. So that that was okay. Yeah. So. Sure. Um, in that episode, we even played a game called Social Capital Jenga. Which we made up. That's right. And it's very fun. Yeah. But we also, uh, we've also heard that for some people it was like, uh, I still don't get it. Mm. And I still don't That feels understand. more right. <laughs> <laughs> that's the better, that's the more common response to our podcast. That's right. That's right. And it, it, it's prompted a few conversations and, and we started then working on a different metaphor. So instead of social capital, we started playing with this idea of social fabric, which lends itself to different insights and ideas. Yeah. And so, so this episode, we're going to dig into this idea of social fabric and see where that leads us. So grab something to drink, grab a stool to sit on, and join us on the front porch for a lively discussion about social fabric. So, you know, we've been working for a while now to create a neighboring movement definition of social fabric. How long have we been working on that, Matt? Um, I think it's been about 20 minutes. Oh, okay. So, yeah, since, <laughs> since a little earlier this morning. <laughs> You could say we've been working on it since our first cup of coffee. <laughs> so measure measure time in yeah. cups of coffee. Yeah. So what did we come? What define social fabric for us here? Okay. The definition that we have for social fabric is it, social fabric is strengthened through the connection of gifts and needs through relationships that create shared stories and companions to journey with. Right. Man, that's a good definition. <laughs> it's definitely a good start. <laughs> Come back in a, in a little while. 
like <laughs> you know, in like four or five episodes down the road, maybe we'll redefine it. That's right. That's based right. on what we actually think of <laughs> before you know having just one cup of coffee. So. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So so just to kind of pull it apart. Yeah. Um, so we're connecting gifts and needs, um, which is an interesting shift because we focus on the gifts, right? That's how yeah. we discover abundance. We talk about that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not just the gifts. It's also our needs. And I'm saying our needs. Yes. Because uh, social fabric is actually strengthened when we acknowledge our own needs with the folks around us and that right. our families and also our neighbors. Yes. That here's something I need help with. Here's something I'm struggling with. Right. Um, and those needs can range from the very simple, uh-huh. I need a cup of milk uh-huh. to do this recipe, yep. you know, to the more intense, right? I need, I'm struggling with an addiction right. or, you know, utility bills, mm-hmm. those types of things. And we, again, our culture tells us that if we have needs, there's something wrong with us. Right. And so we tend to isolate. And you're only okay if you can go pay somebody to correct the needs. Yes. That's what okay, how okayness is defined then. Yeah. Versus I have needs and it gives me an opportunity to showcase my neighbor's gifts in abundance. Precisely. And, and that's what I, I think the social fabric metaphor is really helpful because it is a weaving together of those things mm-hmm. so that need, needs do not become like holes in the fabric. Mm-hmm. It becomes a place where you get to highlight the gift. Um, when we first moved into our house on the block five years ago, um, I was doing some yard work and I really needed a hose because I, I don't remember what I was doing, but I needed to wash something off. And um, we didn't have one because we had just moved in. And we just, when we moved, we, you know, I don't know, maybe we lost our hose or so. I don't know why I didn't have a hose, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah. And my neighbor's house, they have one of those like outside things that, you know, you wrap the hose around and it's mm-hmm. like a hook on the side of the yeah, house. Right. And, yeah. yeah. And I could literally see my neighbor's hose from mm-hmm. my house and I'm, I'm looking at it. And we had just started the nonprofit at that point yeah. <laughs> about being good neighbors. <laughs> and and I was like, I know I should go borrow. Like, I should go out. He was in the backyard. Mm. He's in the backyard. He's, he was in the backyard? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's in the backyard. His hose is right there. Yeah. I'm like, I should just go ask him. I should go borrow his hose. It would be a great way to initiate relationship with this person. Mm-hmm. I mean, in 15 minutes, I was mulling this over in my head. <laughs> but I am... A very American person. Yes. And individualism and like, mm-hmm. you know, borrowing things is not. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. It makes mm-hmm. you weak. It's di- like, I don't know. Right. right. We're, we're programmed. We're told over and over again, we should be self-sufficient. Yeah. Right. Like, Adam, what's wrong with you? You have to borrow your neighbor's yeah. hose. What's the matter? You can't afford your own hose. Right. Right. You're going to need it again. Why would you just not go get one? Yes. So yeah. eventually I finally convinced myself. That I couldn't do it. <laughs> so, so I was like, I went to the hardware store and bought my own damn hose. And, but then every time I've used that hose since, I still have it. I'm always like, I should have borrowed that hose from Craig. Yes. <laughs> like hose, I think. And, yeah. and especially now that I know Craig well, I've asked him many times for help since then. Mm-hmm. Because he knows a lot more about 
like home care and all that kind of stuff than I could ever know. So yes. mm-hmm. reminds yeah. me of the, one of the verses from lean on me. Oh, uh-huh. Which one? Um, Second verse. You can get there. Yeah. Uh, all I'm thinking of is if please oh, swallow yeah. your pride. Uh-huh. If, if I, I have things you need to borrow. And this is the line that kills, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, for, for, no one, no, can one, fill. no one can fill those of your, your needs, needs that you won't let show. Right? So that's, mm-hmm. a, so I don't know if we're allowed to do that copyright wise to sing that one verse. Well, but we I don't know. Did. It didn't really sound like the song. So I think we're okay. <laughs> it was a version of Bill Withers' Lean on Me. <laughs> yeah. But that, I mean, that's, I think of that verse often. Yeah. When moments like that arise, like mm-hmm. I've, I, I can't, I got to swallow my pride. I got to go let my neighbor know that I have needs too. And yeah. it doesn't stop with my needs. It includes my gifts as well. Right. Right. I mean, that's, Absolutely. so we're connecting those. And when we connect those through relationship, right? So it's not, it's not just some random person that I'm going up to and saying, I need help. Mm-hmm. It's, it's my neighbors that I'm saying, Hey, here's something that I need help with. Um, so there's a relationship in there. And then what happens is that creates shared stories. Right. And it, the the relationship determines what level of needs and gifts you're going to share, I think. That's right. Because in the relationship, there's an understanding of, there's a certain level of trust. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And if you don't have a ton of trust with your neighbor, mm-hmm. you may ask them for a cup of milk, but you're not going to say, um, can you take me to my appointment at my doctor where I have to get some really intense news, you know, like that's too intimate. You can't go there with that person yet. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, to me, it feels like it's, it's worth naming here. Then that's why when we talk about neighboring, we start with those basic blocks of learning names. Mm -hmm. Like that's how we begin to build trust is getting to know people's names, learning about them. Um, And at that level, yeah, it's just borrowing milk. And over time, though, and this is we are seeing the proof of this in our own lives and on our block. Right. Over time, that trust deepens. People say, "Okay, I know I can count on you. I know you're you're a reliable person that I'm safe with you. Yeah, absolutely. I can share a little bit more and we can share more with each other. So this idea of building trust between neighbors, which comes about as we build relationships, uh, points back to this concept of norms of reciprocity. Yeah, which is a real, real term that people don't know what that means. I know, it's, it's always baffling. So the phrase norms of reciprocity is a phrase used in social psychology. And basically, it's just that there are social norms where if, if someone does something for you, you then feel obligated to return the favor. So there's this hilarious uh, study that I found uh, in 1974. Uh-huh. Um, sociologist Philip Coons uh-huh. conducted an experiment. He mailed out handwritten Christmas cards with a note and a photograph of him and his family to approximately 600 randomly selected people. In his town? Or like... 
across the country. Across the country, all the recipients of the cards were complete strangers to him. <laughs> all of them. So 600 randomly selected strangers okay. get a Christmas card from him with a handwritten note and a photograph of himself and his family. What did he write to them? <laughs> Hi, my name is Philip Coons. I'm a creepy sociologist. It was so good to see you last. Never. <laughs> I have no idea what he wrote. I, you know, but imagine that he wrote something nice. Maybe like, he just wrote like, Merry Christmas. This is what my family did last year. You know, maybe, like the yeah. brag letter. Yeah. That you well, get. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I bet yeah. he wrote a brag letter. You think? Yeah. Okay. I wrote 600 <laughs> cards last year. That's what I would brag about. I've never written 600 Christmas cards. Oh, man. Cards. His hand probably was cramping. <laughs> so shortly after mailing the cards, mm-hmm. responses began trickling in. Coons received nearly 200 replies. Mm-hmm. So a third. A third of the people responded. And they say, why would so many people reply to a complete stranger? This is the rule of reciprocity at work. Since Coons had done something for them, sent a thoughtful note during the holiday season, many recipients felt obligated to return the favor. Right. Yeah. I, I... Oh, that's really so. Matt was going to tell me this story. I'm talking to you now, listener. Yeah. Matt was going to tell me this story before we started recording, and I was like, "No, no, I, I want to respond cold to it. Yeah, what's I your want to have some give natural some reaction. reaction to it." And now I'm just so like, "What?" That I feel like I should have heard it before because because <laughs> I'm blown away by all the implications that might come out of this weird study. Right. Right. And I'm so, like, I think the thing that's interesting to me is, like, why? Why did they respond? Did they think, I must know this guy, so I need to send it back? I mean, it's this rule of reciprocity. So there's something just innate about being human. I mean, that's, that's their claim. Is it just being human is that, yeah. that if, you know, when, when people are nice to you, that, mm-hmm. that there's this sense of, oh, like, that's... That's like normal. That's like that. This is how society works. And it's I think instead of being like they feel guilted into being kinder, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a crappy way to think of it. Yeah, it feels kind of gross. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I'd rather think of it as like kindness begets kindness. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's where I think. So, you know, his study, which Uh is a study to help illustrate a point is fine but when you think about it on your block okay neighbor to neighbor yeah i i think you're right that kindness does beget kindness and we've said we've said for a long time neighboring begets neighboring mm-hmm. and when you do those things all of the benefits like that it produces joy it produces abundance it produces relationships the community gets safer mm-hmm. all of those things continue to happen that's right that's right The other piece that we could say here about reciprocity is that it does also involve our needs. Um, Mm -hmm. And and we've already mentioned this, that it's very countercultural for us to reveal our needs. So 
there's this thing my brother told me about. It's mm-hmm. called the Ben Franklin effect. Oh, I love this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So this has not been on the podcast yet. Not yet. Oh, I'm so glad this is going to be on the. Po- I've used this <laughs> all the time now. It's it's so yeah. It's so mind blowing. Yeah. So the Ben Franklin effect is simply this. Uh, and I'll tell you the story and why it's called the Ben Franklin right. effect. It illustrates it. So it's a story about Ben Franklin. Yes, yes. <laughs> Just in case you didn't catch on. <laughs> That's right. So Franklin, as as a legislator, had this really arch nemesis. There was this opponent of his. Do you remember in, who it was? Legislature. I don't know, and I don't think I've seen the name actually. Um, hmm. But yeah, the story's fake. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even if it is... A story attributed to Ben Franklin <laughs> that is really great. It's a great story. Well, you want me to look it up right now? No, nope. you no, know? nope. right. go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> so, but Franklin knew that this particular legislator had a rare book mm-hmm. in his library, and Franklin needed to borrow it. So he contacted this legislator and said, could I please borrow this book? Uh, this guy responded in kind, uh, sent him the book. Uh, Franklin did utilize the book and, and promptly sent it back with a thank you note. And then Franklin's observation from that interaction was that from there on, mm-hmm. this legislator who had been rude to him in the past right. began to be kind. I mean, more than rude, arch nemesis. Yeah, it was really intense right. there. Yeah, but they actually, that was the beginning of a turning point And eventually... They had a very collegial relationship. Right. Uh, and so it's called the Ben Franklin effect that it's more impactful to ask a favor of someone than it is to do a favor for someone. Right. So. And we in our in training people to be good neighbors have run into that again and again because mm-hmm. one of our neighboring tips is to borrow something from somebody. That's right. And people... I mean, we will say, borrow something from somebody, and they'll say, ooh, can I, instead, could I lend something to somebody else? <laughs> yes, yeah. Like, just right off the bat, they naturally resist the, the you know, going to borrow, and mm-hmm. are, but are totally willing to help. Yes, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So our social fabric is strengthened with two types of threads. One, Ooh, right? Metaphor. That's right. We're getting, getting it in it, here. Working so, it out. Yes. Yeah, okay. So the fabric is strengthened, one, through these acts of kindness, right? Being Sharing uh-huh. our gifts with our neighbors. Okay, uh, I see. And engaging our neighbors, by, but also it's strengthened by revealing our needs to our neighbors and oh. allowing them to share their gifts with us. Yes, you can just feel it. It's like the ocean. Uh. It's just... <laughs> moving you back and forth the sway of the gifts and the needs the weaving yes yeah oh man i wish the listener could see this dance that you're doing the, the ocean dance i mean it's a beautiful thing it, it really all is just kind of comes together yes yeah, yeah it really, okay. it's good it's good yeah so um and this came to my mind it, as a social fabric i think social fabric there is an elasticity to social fabric. Right. That that as a community, as our as our social fabric strengthens, we're able to absorb mm-hmm. the pressures that come, whether those are economic downturns uh, or a string of crimes like we had in our neighborhood one time, mm-hmm. or um, 
a natural disaster. If right. your community has strong social fabric, it's almost like right. a trampoline yeah. where you can absorb that and then bounce back and return to functionality more quickly. Right? So it's really powerful to mm-hmm. be able to do that. Yeah. And this is like why now you can kind of blow that up and just say like, this is why like city leaders should be interested in this. It's why, because mm-hmm. it reduces all of these like needs-based things that like we think institutions need to fund. Mm-hmm. You don't need them as much when the social fabric is strong. Right. Uh, and I just having a conversation with this group of young professionals in our town and they're, they're supposed to be working on a project that helps uh, build in retention for young professionals. Hmm. Well, if I am woven in to my neighborhood, I'm way less likely to leave because I have all these strings that have tied me to that place. recently had a neighbor move in and and we went and introduced ourselves to her and she you and ashley and ashley and i and prescott not matt because he's a jerk (laughs) (laughs) he went later he went later um so we would go and introduce ourselves to her and when we get there she said that on like the first day she'd moved in she still like had stuff her her uh, garage is in the back of her house and there was still stuff that was kind of out Mm. and she realized that there were people going through it. Mm. Like people who were walking by on the river were going through her stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. it's uh, a good feeling to in your new house to have that happen, right? Right, immediately, immediately feeling vulnerable. Immediately That's... feeling vulnerable. She's a single woman mm-hmm. living alone yeah. and was pretty distraught by that, I think. Mm-hmm. And so like she had her social fabric was just one thread. Like that yes. was it. There was yeah. nothing else helping her feel that kind of trust. She did not feel any norms of reciprocity happening. (laughs) It was just like, I am alone. I have this stuff that people are trying to take from me Mm -hmm. and I am afraid. And so we went over and um, we caught her luckily because she wasn't even opening the door at that point. Mm -hmm. But her her kids were were there. And so she came to the door and, we gave her our phone number and she, we told her to text us so that we had her phone number and immediately her whole demeanor changed mm. and she felt like there was somebody here that I can count on that yes. I can I can trust and I can have that kind of re- relationship with and so what we were doing we didn't I didn't think about it in the moment but we were really weaving that social fabric. Mm-hmm. We were we were taking her thread and not taking our thread and then weaving them together mm-hmm. and making it stronger. And because Ashley and I already have this network, this big kind of vast blanket of social fabric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are now including her into that, mm-hmm. you know. So yes. now we have her number. So next time we have a party at her house, we're going to call her. Yeah. Yeah. The next time that, you know, one of our neighbors is doing something, we're going to call her. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. she's a part of that as well. Yes. Yeah. So, And, I, you know, what strikes me about that story is that there is there's very intentional inclusivity. Yeah. The, I think that's a, another part of this is like we really have to be intentional and right. get out there and connect with people. Like it's so easy to be like, well, I don't want to bother the neighbor. She just moved in. 
Right. The longer she lives there alone, the more yeah. isolated she feels to our community. Right. And the more she feels like this is a terrible neighborhood. Yeah. This yeah. Is, these people don't even care that I'm here. Right. Right. Her right. story would have remained. This is the neighborhood where people rummage through your stuff when you're not looking. And it's so easy to just walk over there. So there you go, friends, um, yeah. neighbors, uh, social fabric. I hope that this maybe is a more accessible analogy than social capital, um, but they're similar and both really, really important for our work. Yeah. Thanks for listening to our podcast, The Neighbor Next Door, which you can find on all of the places that you get podcast. We want to remind you that this podcast is produced by The Neighboring Movement, the nonprofit, which we uh, co-founded. And if you want to support the podcast financially, we would love you to do that. It'd be yes. great. And you can do that at neighboringmovement.org slash donate, where you can also find lots of other good resources that are all free. That's so. right. Neighboring tips, blogs, stories from the mm -hmm. experiences that we've had and e other curriculum that we've created. So, yeah, check and it now out. 24 episodes or something? It is something like, like that. that, yes. Yeah. 24 episodes. Somebody told me the other day they binged our podcast. <laughs> Did they have some sort of like neighboring hangover? <laughs> they seemed a little rough. For the, yeah, it was a little blurry eyes. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I feel cool. It's, I've, we've created content that people can binge now. I mean, it's true. It's true. I've heard that as well. So. That's awesome. Um, yeah, uh, our the music that you're listening to right now is created by Brutal Bear, mm -hmm. and all of the editing for this podcast is done by our AmeriCorps Vista. Christopher Swanson. Also known as Vistafer. Vistafer. All right. All right. Thanks that's, for listening and all. happy neighboring. Happy neighboring, everybody.